You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. This is Larry Hama, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Finley, and today we have an interview with Larry Hama. This is a continuation of our Generation X 25th anniversary series that I am taking upon myself to celebrate. I've been interviewing people who have been writing, drawing, and working on Generation X over the years, and this time we come to Larry Hama, who took over the series after Scott Lobdell departed in 1997. He worked on it up until Jay Ferber's run in issue, just before issue number 50. And he doesn't have a whole lot to say here. This interview is actually uh, just a, a few questions that I tacked on the end of when I was talking to Larry about his work on Iron Fist, which is probably, that interview was probably about two years ago now. You can hear that on my website if you go and uh, to Epic Marvel Podcast and go through the archives. Um, so we only talked for about about 15 minutes and you can tell that this is a book that he, you know, he didn't really care about. Not that he didn't care about it when he was writing it. He just doesn't care about it now. He, he His voice doesn't light up the same way uh, as it does when, when he's talking about Wolverine or, or G.I. Joe. Um, to him, I'm sure this was just another job. It didn't last too long and he, he kind of came and he did it and then he moved on to other things. So... Interesting hearing him talk about the little bit that uh, we do get to talk about here, because I'm sure people don't ask him about Generation X at all, like if ever. So, anyway, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, first, I just want to mention you can check us out at epicmarvelpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter. If you just search for Epic Marvel Podcast, and you can also join the Epic Collection conversation of, over on Facebook by searching epic collections and look for my group and we are part of the thunderquack podcast network and so you can donate a little bit to help keep our podcasts running it uh, we have a number of podcasts a lot of them are star wars themed and uh, a lot of the other ones are marvel or dc tv show or movie related and uh, archie there's an archie riverdale podcast and there's a lot of cool stuff there um no more about comics i'm kind of the only guy in the podcast network talking about comics but boy we have a lot of stuff going on here so i hope you go to my website and check out my archives and you know have a great time listening to me talk about comics (laughs) but enough about me let's just keep on going with the interview this is mr larry hama Now, you first put Generation X in one of your issues of Wolverine. Did that have any influence in you coming to the book after that? I don't even remember that. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were in an issue of Wolverine that, that I wrote. Yeah, do you remember the character the Token? Yeah. So the Token was introduced in an issue of Wolverine that guest starred Generation X. I'm oh, fairly yeah. certain that was I, your I, issue. Yeah, they, that was that was sort of foisted on me by editorial. They you know they wanted to to seed uh, new books into older standing books and um, you know get get more coverage on them. Right. That was what that was about, right? And what led you to being the writer on Generation X? I was. <laughs> I, I I only ever got was given titles that I was supposed to fix, quote unquote. Oh yeah. If something was in trouble or about to be canceled or you know uh, something like that, you know that, that that's how I got a book. That's how I got Wolverine. It was pretty much on the verge of being canceled. Oh, really? Um, That's hard figured, to imagine. They, they figured I couldn't mess it up anymore. Uh, so, well, you know, uh, he, the character had just been like being a depressed alcoholic in a bar in Madripoor for like, you know, six issues or something when I, when I took him over. So. <laughs> wow. And I feel like you're responsible because of that decision to put you on the book. You're responsible for the popularity that Wolverine is today, um, the movies and all that. I hope you get uh, some good compensation for it. <laughs> no, I don't. Even, I, 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 you know, I, didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even get a thank you on the Logan movie. Oh, man, that's brutal. I saw um, you had a thank you in the Iron Fist TV show, though. There was one episode there that, that I saw your they name. Gave, they gave me a thank you on, on the Iron Fist. It's, it's on there every episode and they gave me a thank you on the batman lego movie <laughs> oh yeah really <laughs> i missed you that know, wow I, I i did wolverine for you know eight times as long as batman and um and nothing you know, wow uh, you know there's a lot of aspects in logan that that uh, come from my stuff yeah you know, um, but so who knows? Who knows their formula for all that? Right. So Generation X was in trouble, and you were asked to fix. Well, I don't know if it was in trouble numbers wise, but I think editorial wanted it to be. They kept using the word "fixed." Mm. <laughs> so. And how did you interpret that? I interpreted that as. Um, you know, firming up the characterizations. Okay. Because uh, I'm more of a character person than plot. You know? That's basically what my tactic was on Wolverine, to just, you know, go into characterization and, you know, really nail it as hard and as interesting as I could. Mm -hmm. And I, I tried to do the same thing with Gen X. Got a lot of bad reaction. And I got, like, hate mail. Really? Time. Yeah. What did people not like about it? Well, they what they didn't like was that it wasn't that it wasn't like the way it was. <laughs> well, yeah, that's. I'm sure every artist or every writer probably faces that coming on to a new book. Yeah, but I have been given the the orders, the marching orders to um, to change it. Uh, what were some of your favorite characters to work with in this book? Well, I like both uh, Jubilee and uh, White Queen. So they they were they were fun, and those are two of the more long-standing characters. Did you feel like you had the opportunity to change them and develop them more, or um, opposed to the other ones that had more of a blank slate? Yeah, I mean, I tried. You know, the problem with the other characters was, you know, a lot of them just didn't have legs. Like, how many of them are still around? Yeah, exactly. A lot of them are dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. The, other than White Queen and and uh, Emma Frost and, and Jubilee, uh, 
and Banshee. Well, no, Banshee's dead too. I think. I think they killed him off as well. They killed off Banshee. Yeah, a lot of, those characters are either dead or they're just you know nobody yep. cares about them anymore. You know? No, no. Yeah. One of the characters you worked with a lot was uh, Skin mm-hmm. Angelo, and one of my favorite issues is the issue that you did for Wizard, the half issue, where Angelo goes uh, back to his hometown and um, and uh, sort of sees his mom again. Mm-hmm. That is a good example of of a character development um, issue right there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always a good trick to have the character go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've pulled that out of the hat a number of times, even in, in G.I. Joe. So oh, yeah. It's something everybody can relate to. That's That's the thing. You took these characters on a really bizarre wild ride and taking them through this like other dimension and you had like a giant, uh, what you called a puka and um, like it was just, it was so not your typical book. Like People who, who know you from things like G.I. Joe and Elektra and Wolverine, they're like, holy cow, Larry Hamill wrote this? It's so bizarre. Was, was that intentional? Did you want to purposely just go in a completely different direction than you're used to? I didn't think it was all that different a direction. I oh, mean, yeah. I, I, I'd done something similar to that in Wolverine with you know, his excursion into, into uh, Russia. And um, so it was a whole arc done, drawn by Mark Texera that was very sort of hallucinogenic. Oh, yeah. Um, I did a lot of that in Nth Man. And um, I, that's the actual stuff that I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's not an aberration, you know. Right. Okay. I like those types of ideas rather than uh, what I just call um, the usual choreography, you know. Right. Um, you were also responsible for kind of telling a lot of the secrets behind the characters of M and Penance and and M Plate. Um, did you discuss um, these the secrets with uh, the other the previous creators to see what they had in mind, or did you kind of just make up your own your own ending here? I think a lot of that came out of discussions with the editor, with uh, Bob Harris. Okay, so Bob Harris had an idea of, of what what the, the did he already know what the secrets were, or did you come up to those conclusions together? Because th- that was the biggest mystery in Generation X was the secret of M. Yeah, I can't even remember. Yeah, but uh, I di- I didn't have um, a lot of conversations with Scott. Um, I don't know. So it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about working with um, Terry Dodson. He he was kind of at the beginning of his career when he's he, when he jumped on Generation X. Mm-hmm. Did you have much conversation with him as you were giving him plots? I never talked to him at all. Oh really? Wow. <laughs> but I, I really loved his stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever actually meet him until uh, this past year. Oh really? Yeah, I was at the New York Comic Con and I was walking through Artist Alley uh, to my table and I saw the sign that said Terry Dotson and I went over to introduce myself. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's that's incredible. I, it's hard to imagine that there isn't a bigger collaboration, but I guess when you do things, I guess over email or all this kind of stuff, then yeah, you never. Oh, this was way before email. So how would you get your plots to mail? Well, no, I. There was an interface. Uh, oh, I yeah. plots into Bob Harris, and Bob Harris sent them on. Oh, it was even more separated than that. Wow, okay. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, that's, wow. a, that's the way it works, and it still works that way in yeah. most companies. The writers and the, and the artists uh, don't always uh, interact. 
there's the, there's the 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 editor is the, is is the intermediary and traffic director. Right. You know, scripts come in, they go out to a penciler, they come back from the penciler, they go, they, you know, they go to the inker, the uh, or they go to the letterer, then they go to the inker, and then the colorist, and then you know, and the the editor is uh, you know in the middle of all of that, you know, directing the traffic. Right. So at this point in, this would have been the, I think the mid nineties, um, were, were you still doing the process where you'd hand in, like you'd get the artwork back and then you'd script it based on the artwork? Absolutely. Yeah. It's the way it always worked. I write plots, page by page plots. Yeah. I like to, um, end the scene at the end of a page. I don't like to carry over, you know, a single panel onto the next page. Right. Sequence. And that forces you to have sort of a mini uh, denouement, a little bit of a climax at the end of every page, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's an opportunity to, to have a little bit of a cliffhanger at the at the end of every page, and that's the thing that sort of subconsciously makes the reader want to turn the page, which is what you want them to do. Right. And do you feel like um, the artist usually gets that as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I've not had an awful lot of complaints from pencilers about my plots. Um, I never considered myself a writer. I was, I I call myself a penciler with a word processor. Uh Yeah. When I quote, write, unquote, uh, a story, I'm visualizing it in my head as a series of pictures. And uh, then I... When I sit down at the at, at the computer, I'm just describing those pictures. I also provide um, a lot of visual reference. I used to send you know boxes of books back in the day, uh, reference books, pictures, and um, yeah. I've got an extensive morgue picture library. Oh, home, yeah. And uh, I would send uh, clippings from the morgue. Mm-hmm. These days, I download uh, from the internet and uh, send uh, files full of JPEGs. Right. Having been in this position of having to draw from other people's scripts and plots, I'm reluctant to ask an artist to, to, to draw something that, that I couldn't draw myself or ask somebody to draw something that I'm not providing reference for. So I don't get a lot of complaints about that. I get more complaints about my, my attitude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So some some artists are like mortally offended by my manner, so to speak. Or really, my way of speaking. Uh, well, that's too bad. <laughs> but, um, lots of times they get over it. <laughs> Good. Sometimes they don't. Um, you know, there are people that there are always people that will hate you forever. So well, what can you do? Right. Yeah. Toward the end of your run on Generation X, you uh, tried to get them back into school and have more of a classroom feel and training sessions and such. Uh, was that your part of your plan to um, quote unquote fix things or change it up? Well, yeah, because lots of times it's it's very easy for folks to just veer off track and. One of the things that, that brings people back to titles is a certain amount of consistency. You know, you, you come back to something because all the elements that you like, you know, are going to be there. Right. You know? And uh, it's reassuring. You know, if, if halfway through the series, um, Voldemort had destroyed the school. <laughs> right. Yeah, that would be a very different book after that. A lot of people would have been kind of put off by that. So, yeah, you have to sort of maintain the structure that people expect. Mm-hmm. 
and, and the fans want to see more of. Yeah, and I guess the thing is that this has always been a school book, and you're right, it had veered away from the school aspect of it for quite a while. So you're just well, getting yeah. things back on track, I guess. Well, that's the thing, is that, uh, you know, in the movies, they sort of bring the X-Men back to being, you know, a school thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And in the comics, it, it veered away from the Xavier uh, school uh, quite a bit. Yeah, well, they all became adults. Right. Yeah, wow. So um, when you left the book, Generation X, did you have something lined up that took you away from it, or did you just kind of feel, hey, I'm done here? I don't know. I think I got fired. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that happens. Yeah, yeah, it does. That, I've been talking to a lot of people, and they, they all have those stories. Yep, I was fired off this. I just moved on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I got fired off of GI Joe a couple of times. You know, <laughs> a least, couple of times. <laughs> at least you know, writing the uh, I got fired off of writing the dossiers. Uh, oh yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. And um, yeah, but they kept hiring me back. So because <laughs> <laughs> no one could do it better than you could. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they, they a, a new person would be assigned to uh, uh, oversee the line at Hasbro or something and you know the first thing they would notice is like well they're paying this guy you know, a freelance to write these things uh, why are we doing that when well, we can get somebody you know an intern in-house to write them for free on company time yeah right <laughs> and that would last about a week <laughs> <laughs> well, why can't you be as good as Larry Hammer? Yeah, that's so funny. Well, the, the, the thing is, uh, you could tell the ones that I didn't write because in the file cards, the, the, the subject um, has no faults. You know, they're the, the absolute best at everything that they do, and, and everybody loves them. And oh. shiny examples of, of, of whatever, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and my characters tend to have warts, so because um, they're based on real people. <laughs> oh, are they? <laughs> I noticed the when you say your characters that are uh, they have warts. That was one of the first things you did in Generation X when you came on. Is you had a robbery at the school. A, bu- a couple of hoodlums came in and stole a whole bunch of stuff, and it was all stuff that the characters were kind of hiding or like that w- would show their warts. So um, right off the bat. That's uh, that's what you're trying to accomplish is is giving these characters um, some stories to tell and, and uh, is that an effect that you kind of use often? Well, yeah, because it, it, it touches on on basic human things. You know, otherwise they're just neatly fabricated puppets uh, dancing to your you know insipid choreography. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, if you see that they're people like yourself, you know, uh, they're they're more um, they're easier to identify with. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Larry, for taking the time to talk with us today. Appreciate it, and I think all our listeners will too. Okay, well, thank you. 